Well, good evening, and uh, just welcome again to Wawasee Bible. My name is Josh, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's just, it's our great privilege to be able to host Good Friday, and it's fun, isn't it? I mean, it occurred to me even, or just it warmed my heart as, we, as we're singing together as Jesus Church, to hear, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Amen? For all the ways maybe we have some differences, the big ones we have the same, don't we? And uh, we hold on to that tightly because there's hope in the cross of Jesus Christ. Well, tonight uh, with with millions upon millions of Christians, uh, we remember Jesus' work on the cross for us. And uh, sometimes people say, why would you call that night good? And my hope is by the end of the evening, maybe we would, if, we haven't, if you haven't figured that one out yet, then I think you will by the end of the night tonight. But I, I think it might be good for us just to be reminded of this account. It shows up in, in all four gospels, in Matthew 23, Mark 15, Luke 23, uh, or Matthew 27, not 23, that's a, that's where I said that wrong, and John 19. And I'm gonna read to you uh, from John 19 here as we begin. Does that sound okay? And uh, let's read together here. Uh, Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put a purple robe on him. Hail, king of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again. He said to the people, I'm gonna bring him out to you now, but understand clearly, I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said, look, here's the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, by our law, he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. If you wanna know why Jesus was killed, there's your answer. He claimed to be God because he was God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize I have the power to release you or crucify you? Then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders shouted, if you release this man, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat of the platform that's called the stone pavement in Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it it was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled, away with him, crucify him. What? Pilate said, crucify your king. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called Place of the Skull in Hebrew, Golgotha, 
there they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek so that many people could read it. Then the leading priests objected and they said to Pilate, change it from the King of the Jews to he said, I'm the King of the Jews. Pilate replied, no. What I've written, I've written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that's what they did. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill the scripture, he said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That account's familiar to most of us, right? Of Jesus' death on the cross, of him being mocked by the Jewish leaders. And um, we could uh, go into all the horror of the cross because I think sometimes we miss that and we're not gonna do that tonight. But um, the account of Jesus' death on the cross is his atoning for our sin. It's him paying the penalty that you and I deserve to pay, rightly deserve to pay for our sin. And yet here's Jesus, the one who is without sin, paying that debt for us. It's good news, isn't it? Uh, It's curious that while they're on the cross, one of the criminals uh, actually tempts Jesus and it's the last time he's tempted. And one of the criminals on one side of him uh, starts mocking him. He says, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But Jesus knows something that the man hanging next to him doesn't know. He knows that, yeah, he could come down off the cross and save himself, but then he couldn't save them. See, Jesus can save himself or he can save us. He can't do both. And by God's grace, he decides to save us. And he endures the cross. Well, you know that account pretty well, but did you know there's a very similar account in the Old Testament? Maybe you will recognize it here as we start talking about it. Leviticus chapter 16. You're like, Leviticus, that's one of those books I just skip over in my Bible reading plan. It's so long and I don't understand it. Well, Leviticus chapter 16, you're not alone if you do that, by the way. But Leviticus chapter 16 is pretty rich uh, with a, uh, an account of atonement. Here's, here's what's, uh, what's happening is um, uh, God's people have been released from Egypt in the Exodus and they're wandering in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. 
God's led them there. And God gives them some instructions for how they ought to worship in the tabernacle. And one of the things, Leviticus kind of goes through uh, some of the rituals and uh, religious activities that God commanded them to do so that they would never forget what he had done for them in rescuing him, rescuing them. And so one of them is on this day that's accounted for, or that's, uh, there's an account of in Leviticus chapter 16. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of Aaron's two sons who died after they entered the Lord's presence and burned the wrong kind of fire before him. The Lord said to Moses, warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain just whenever he chooses. If he does, he will die. For the ark's cover, the place of atonement is there. And I myself am present in the cloud above the atonement cover. He's talking about the tabernacle and God's presence with his people. And uh, if you know the account, Aaron's sons kind of go in uh, where they shouldn't have. And God is serious about uh, the worship of him. And so uh, those two uh, kids are slain, or not kids, they were men, but his sons were slain. And, and so now God's giving instructions so it doesn't happen again. So they take him seriously. He says, when Aaron enters the sanctuary area, he must follow these instructions fully. He tells him how to enter his presence in a specific way. It's the only way they're supposed to enter God's presence. He goes on. Aaron must take from the community of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. And then uh, verse seven, he must take the two male goats and present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. He's to cast sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to the Lord and uh, which he will, will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness of Azazel. Aaron will then present as a sin offering the goat chosen by Lot for the Lord. The other goat, the scapegoat chosen by Lot, will be sent away. It'll be kept alive standing before the Lord. And when it's sent away to Azazel in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right with the Lord. So let's recap what's happening. Aaron's sons died because they rushed into God's presence in a way that wasn't acceptable. And God says, here's the one way to enter my presence to them in the wilderness. He says, uh, tell Aaron... Uh, one day out of the year on the day of atonement, you're going to pick out two goats, two goats, right? And uh, they're going to be, you're going to examine them. They're going to be spotless. They're, you're you're going to pick them out and they're going to be offerings uh, for the people. Now, uh, the first goat, if you were paying attention, he said that that goat would be a sin offering. That goat, in other words, would be sacrificed for the sin of Israel. And here's what would happen that day. If we would keep reading through uh, Leviticus chapter 16, Aaron would, uh, would, would pray and he would uh, lay his hands on this goat and symbolically uh, he would uh, confess all the sins of the people and symbolically lay them on this goat. The first one, right? You with me? And then, because this goat, which goat was this one? Number one, sin offering, right? He would take the goat and slit its throat and drain its blood. And the the priest who had, uh, Aaron would have had all these priestly garments on and likely they would have been, uh, there would have been blood everywhere. And it would have been just a real vivid picture for all of God's people of how serious God takes their sin. Now, theologically, if you wanna nerd out with me for a little bit, okay? uh, The word for this goat is you would call this goat, the theological term would be the propitiation the goat of propitiation. That's a big theological word, right? Biblical word. And what it all it means is to satisfy God's wrath, to take
take God's wrath. So this first goat, when I was a kid and then into Bible college, like I, I, had, to, I had to do weird things to remember things. I'm not always that smart. And so to remember this word, I always think propitiation. God took the, or Jesus and this lamb here took the punch of God's wrath, right? He satisfied God's wrath. No, in Romans, it talks about Jesus doing this. It says the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and, ju- and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Whom, see if this sounds familiar to Leviticus 16, God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received in faith. In other words, as a sin offering. This was to show God's righteousness. Remember the, 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 the goat would have been slaughtered and it would have been a vivid picture of God's righteousness and of their sinfulness. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So friends, Jesus is that first goat, isn't he? The sin offering back in Leviticus 16. But there's a second goat. We left out second goat. The second goat, here's what would have happened. Aaron again would have pulled this goat up and he would have prayed, if we would read the instructions, he was to pray over this goat and symbolically again cast and confess all the sins of God's people onto this goat. Get the picture? Now, if you're in the crowd, you're wondering, oh boy, here he goes again. I was queasy after that last one. I don't know if I can do this again. And then God says, but here's what you do with this goat. You chase it out of town. And this was the scapegoat. Theologically, give you another big theological word. You can sound smart to your pastor. Uh, Expiation. And it just means to take away or to cleanse from sin. And this goat, they would chase out of town and they were told by God, do not let it come back into the camp. Like chase it away. And if it starts coming back, chase it further and just chase it away, never to return. Make sure it never comes back. It's carrying away your sin. Why? Because their sin was forgiven. Does that sound like anybody else you know? That sounds like Jesus too, doesn't it? See, look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he, Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming, what did he shout? Behold, the Lamb of God. And then what did he say? The Lamb of God who what? Who takes away the sin of the world. See, Jesus on the cross on Good Friday, that that day of atonement, it's a picture in the Old Testament of God's plan of what's gonna happen on Good Friday. That the Lamb of God is gonna be the perfect sacrifice for sin once and for all. And he's gonna be the perfect uh, expiation of sin. He's gonna expiate our sin, take it away and cleanse us, any who would believe and put their trust in Jesus Christ. And that day of atonement, pointed forward to Good Friday. It pointed forward to what we celebrate tonight and what we remember both in celebration, but in somberness. Paul writes about Jesus like this then. He says, see, for our sake, 
he, God the Father, made him, God the Son, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21, right there, Paul tells us that, that Jesus becomes sin on the cross for us so that we could have God's righteousness. That, that on the cross, just like all the sin was cast upon those goats, all the sin for those who would confess their sin and turn to Jesus in repentance is cast upon him on the cross. And for those who've trusted him, their sin then is atoned for. It's propitiated. God's wrath is poured out, poured out on Jesus and, and they're expiated. They're cleansed because Jesus takes away and makes them new takes away their sin. He became like us so that we could become like him. On the cross, Jesus becomes the murderer, the liar, the pervert, all those, he becomes that. Hebrews tells us that he scorned the shame of the cross, that all of the shame we feel for sin, Jesus felt it on the cross that afternoon. And he stayed there because he loves us. That's good news. That's why it's a good Friday because he could save himself or he could save us. And he chose to save us. See, Easter then, I always think it's funny. We, we give gifts at Christmas. We really ought to give them at Easter because Easter is the gift exchange. Easter is where Martin Luther called it the great exchange where we, we wrap up all our garbage and we say, here, Jesus. And Jesus wraps up all this righteousness and he goes, here, I'll take that. I'll deal with it. You're mine. You're new. You're clean. That's good news. This little comic, we'll end with this. I like this BC comic. I hate the term Good Friday. Why? My Lord was hanged on a tree that day. If you were gonna be hanged on a tree that day and he volunteered to take your place, how would you feel? Good. Have a nice day. Let's pray. Father, thanks for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that uh, he lived the life we cannot live and do not live. He died the death that I deserve, that everyone in this room deserves. He stayed on the cross. And I know if it was me, I would have fleed.